Champagne soccer, we're back. I'm smiling like Raphael Leal when he sees barbecue chicken on the pitch. I'm with the gang, Cletus, Ephraim, Marcus, Anthony. What's going on, guys? Hey, is, is Leal smiling because he sees a city contract in front of him? Oh, Lord, here you go. Man, calm down. Y'all ain't getting everybody, bro. Calm down. You're doing hey. too much. Hey, relax, hey, man. Man. Hey, left. That's okay. That's all you nah, need. We need depth. We need oh, depth. Now y'all need depth. Nah, I was about to say Cole Palmer or Carson Palmer, whatever that Palmer boy <laughs> name is. He ain't gonna cut it. So yeah. wow. yeah. Carson yeah. Palmer. Shout out Jordan Palmer, his brother, man, quarterback guru. <laughs> is that who he is? Yeah, man. But uh well, might as oh yeah, Claytis. I'm glad you said something. We might as well start with, you know. Your favorite team, he hired back Frank Lampard, as we've discussed, the greatest player in Chelsea history. I think most people would agree. 2023, my man has coached eight games, eight L's. What's going on with that? 2-0 again to men, I mean, to Real Madrid. Uh, what's going on, Clay? This, what was on your mind? You said you needed a nap before the match, and then I don't, I don't know what happened, man. And and I'm just gonna play this this short clip real quick. Say express myself. Not to speak. If I speak, I am in in big trouble. Oh hey, man. Trouble, and I don't want to be in big trouble. <laughs> in the words of Jose Mourinho, I, I don't want to speak, but I, I will say some good things that I noticed. I I feel like the first half, first you know, twenty minutes was probably. The best I've seen Chelsea play in a really long time. Showed, yeah, no, nah, we showed a lot of intensity. Like we actually like showed that we wanted to win a game for once. It might have been because Conte was in the midfield, just running around doing everything. But I saw, you know, a glimpse of like, okay, maybe we might be able to score a goal, maybe drag this out to a, to like a one-one, two-two extra time type of game. But um. With that being said, all the positivity dies down every time we came to the final third. A lot of time it was just long balls or, you know, crossing the box, nobody there. We couldn't cross and beat the first man. But everything else, like in midfield, like transition from attack to midfield, it looked promising. You know, like I said, Conte was all over the place trying to, you know, create space, you know, link up play and stuff like that. Um, Enzo looked really good. I think him and Enzo is probably like the highlight of the team that first half. But, you know, Madrid being Madrid is like, once you make that one mistake, they're going to punish you. And once they punish you once, they're going to punish you again. And that that second goal, man, oh, my God. Like, I've, I haven't seen somebody walk a ball in the net like that since, let's say, um, what was that? that? That game, it was Germany versus England where – Ozil had that cutback and like uh closer just like had a little that little tap in with the drill. Like, I just came straight in, just boom, there you go. Like I haven't seen somebody walk in a goal that easy and that beautiful in a long time. And it just it showed how trash we are at the moment. No confidence. Um, yeah. It was a sad day. It was I got off work early today just, just for that. <laughs> hey man. All right. So Moving forward, guys, Ephraim, is is this Champions League for Real Madrid to lose on what you're seeing? Is it going back to the White House, or does another team have something to say with this? 
I don't know, because uh, one thing I will say about this match today, I, I see a little bit different. I do. I will give credit where credit's due a little bit with Chelsea looking a little bit better. But I also honestly think that uh, Real Madrid was kind of looking past this match, honestly. Like, I know it was only 2-0, but I have a feeling, like, the way they played in some instances, like Luka Modric was giving the ball away a couple times. And, like, some of that, some of it was kind of, like, not in their DNA, not the way they really play. But, you know, I don't know. But to answer your question, um, yes and no. I mean, if they play like they did today uh, against a team like City or City, <laughs> I don't know about anybody else, but City, uh, then they're going to lose. But, you know, at the end of the day, what we do know about Real Madrid is this is their this is their tournament. Like, they always show up for this tournament no matter what. They still ended up scoring two goals today, even though they didn't look like their best. So and ha- and held Chelsea to nothing. So, yeah, look, yeah, you could definitely see it that way because this is the, the tournament that they show up for all the time. So, yeah, I don't know. It, it just depends. I think you need to see the Real Madrid that we saw uh, at the Barnabeo, not the one we saw today. Marcus, when you watch Chelsea as a brother that also supports a team bouncing back after you know the season isn't the greatest even though you guys had a great weekend how do you feel about your development process with Liverpool compared to what Chelsea's going through Uh, I was actually ready to answer your uh, question to E first um I I got a question I got a question to you though who who plays Milan uh, the winner of Benfica Inter Milan. So you know, right now Inter is up one 0 aggregate. So AC Milan will play uh, Inter, or yep. if they, I mean, so if it's Real versus City, um, I felt today they kind of was disrespectful to Chelsea, bro. They had a bunch of dudes out there on yellow cards, and he had no fear of them like getting <laughs> suspended for the next round. <laughs> like, so he didn't think those guys were a threat. Uh, looking at that lineup when you had uh posted it in the chat, I'd already said it felt like Frank gave up, yeah. and then in the second half when he brought on the stronger lineup, it was a little bit like too late, like, and they walked that goal in. But so I mean, I think City is a different beast, but you pointed this out to me. Uh, I think it was last Champions League final, counterattacking teams. Like uh, the way how we play in the Premier League just does not it it does not work against Real Madrid. So that dynamic, I would have to see if uh, Pep adjusts. Um, to your question about the development, I think that we ex- we actually have like we know who's gonna be on the squad next year, as opposed to Chelsea. I think they're gonna get rid of a lot of a lot of guys. Yeah. So, so there's no way to see like all right, let's start developing this style of play. We don't see Conte in like two, three different positions, and he don't only been back maybe like three weeks now. Like, <laughs> yeah, they're ready to run that brother in the ground, man. Again, bro, like it's kind of <laughs> wild to me. So I think looking at that, like how we we'll go more in depth when we talk about the Liverpool game, but that Trent Stones position that we out here got going on, I think that's like a sign of like experimenting, like trying to figure it out. Whereas Chelsea just playing different lineups and we still seeing Cucarella. <laughs> <laughs> hey, real quick though, Marcus, like to your point about uh, Chelsea getting rid of people. Like my, my thing is though, I see a problem with those contracts. Remember they, they've been signing cats to 
what seven year contracts, eight year contracts? Who's going to want to pick those contracts up if they try Not, to sell those? Aren't the guys they're going to try to move? Mm-hmm. It's you don't think so? Nah, it's Pulisic, Ziyech, well, yeah, Erlin, Kulabali, all those guys. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I give you. I guess we kind of knew that too. Yeah, they got over thirty players on their roster. They got, they got so many players. Brothers got to change in a lot in the freaking hallway. So yeah, they yeah. they got right. a lot of huff to get rid of. Yeah, maybe. Keppa the keeper, my man is still there. You know, it's a lot of huff on that pitch. Yeah, Anthony, when you watch this game today. Did you see anything from Real Madrid that maybe makes you nervous moving forward as, you know, City seems like they should cruise past Bayern Munich in the second leg and they'll play Real Madrid uh, next in the semifinal. Do you think Real Madrid poses any threats that you need to watch out for? I'm going to start off by showing respect to them because they are legends of that competition. And I do. They, I remember what they did to us last year. I I, I won't forget. Uh, it's it's fresh on my mind. But hey, <laughs> Kamavinga at left back. <laughs> I want to see it. Can't wait. I'm excited. So it ain't that much uh, spooking me on there. And Dan, uh, I saw Madrid's making making some mistakes. If there's a Rodri and a Bernardo Silva right there, hey, I see a sweet counter. If if I got a Mares in it, somewhere free roaming drifting back like we saw or a hey, stones I, I like how uh you pointed out trent is playing in that position now marcus and you know imitation is a great is, is is a form of flattery you know so it's good to see how pep is reshaping the league and hey whoa his, whoa 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 whoa, whoa, whoa. his own image we're gonna talk about the real sauce later okay all right all right but dan I'm excited going forward. Hopefully we beat Byron. I ain't gonna act like uh, you know, it's a cakewalk. Hopefully we just finish the finish the job. Hey man, it's a cakewalk, man. Tuchel's the coach. Hey, hey man, what Chelsea's going on with Chelsea, man. He was just at Chelsea. He's about to come with some around tactics too. Ah, day two. Here we go. Hey, one or two nice. goals, it's a wrap. Like one goal, it might be a, it's a wrap. I mean, honestly, y'all, I, I Fuck it, I ain't gonna be humble. It's gonna be a three nail joint. We getting three. We putting three down. Holland hat yeah, trick. Holland, Holland too. Pep gonna sit him down. He's gonna be Pep, and everybody. Well, man, why does he keep doing that? But it's gonna be all right. It's gonna be okay. Hey, what did Pep Alvarez, say? Alvarez is gonna get one as well. Hey, what did Pep say? No one wants him to break more records than me, but we have to rest him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. All right, Camavinga, just saying, don't sleep on Camavinga left back. I know he don't like it, but ever oh. since he's been playing there, when Deschamps put him there on an emergency situation at the World Cup, he's been balling. He held his own in the World Cup. Yeah, in the final, that's when they let it off. Hey. Messi didn't do nothing. He did. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I got faith in Mares uh, or Bernardo, depending on what what probably more be Bernardo. Mares will get cooked in that game. It has to be Bernardo. His pressing, yeah, yeah. his work rate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't okay. play Mares against Real Madrid. Okay. And uh Anthony, just you know, just to give you a little heads up so you can celebrate tomorrow. It might be Cancelo in midfield. So, you know, just get ready for that for that semifinal. I saw that. Yeah, Cancelo in there because uh Goresco is out of favor. Yeah, I mean, Tucho just lost at the moment. So, hey, <laughs> good luck and congratulations. 
Is it possible he can get fired and they and they rehire uh, Nagelsmann? You know, I had a, I, I had a dream about that yesterday, um, <laughs> and I woke up. Yeah, he's not gonna be able to do it, man. Two two shows <laughs> about to set, you know, his meeting soon to set up the roster for the summer, man. They trying to see what you want, big bro. Hey, I did. Did they let Nagelsmann do that type of stuff? No, Sersky. I mean, you know, their job's on the line right now, too, so we'll, we'll see how that goes. For sure. Now, let's talk about the other match that was played to get uh, today. Inter Milan plays tomorrow. I got CT right now. Hold on. Let me slow down. AC Milan, they defeated Napoli again. 2-1. Oshiman scored at the end. Um Giroud had a goal at the beginning after missing a penalty. Then they scored again. Um, Marcus, you were saying that uh, you're not really feeling Napoli, or you think they're just a league team? What's going on? I think I got another theory. This one is the league title gives you too much fatigue. Arsenal, you should be able to understand this with your last match. They started geeking when Oshiman went overseas for international duty. They they been geeked. Today they got the goal, but I'm gonna say I, they 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 aren't who we thought they were. We thought this was supposed to be uh Napoli City final. They out here getting cooked by AC Milan shit. They did that two weeks in a row, didn't they? Yeah, they did cook them in the league too, yep. And they beat him in the first leg. Yeah, they cooked him in the league 4-0. Oshiman didn't play. Then, you know, the first leg, they beat him. So, yeah, man, it's been tough. Yeah, AC definitely found form at the right time because I want to say towards or even after the World Cup, like, they've slowly started, like, to drop form. And everybody was like, are they going to stay in the top four? You know, are they going to make it out of the group stages? Like, I don't think we have a high expectation for them to come this far but for them to you know make it to the semi and i got you know the biggest team in italy is really is big for them honestly and especially after last year i think they they went pretty far last year in the champions league and got knocked out i want to say what round of 16 or in the quarterfinals something like that so it shows like they've been making progress like each year uh, constantly yeah this year making the quarterfinals is uh the furthest napoli has ever made the Champions League, so making it to the final eight is an accomplishment, and I think it's just the league, man. Like you mentioned, Marcus, uh, it's two different competitions. The mentalities are different, even if you're playing a team from the same country. That mindset to lock in, control a game, that's what Napoli wants to do. They're more possession-based team, and like we say, counterattacking wins in the Champions League in Milan. You see their goals today and even the last match, and even when they played him in Serie A, that's where they hit him on the break. Rafael Leal is one of the best in the world at counters. Once that brother is in open space, it's tough. So I think that's the issue with Napoli. And then Oshiman, he was injured. He was on international break. He scored a goal at the last minute, but it, it also showed you that 
like we mentioned with uh, City earlier in this season, and they've been more balanced since. When you only rely on one guy to score and he don't have it, it's tough. Now, um, Ephraim, do you think Milan can be sleepers to win this competition? I mean, they've won it the second most times in the history of the Champions League. Do you think they can do it again? I mean, I guess it's kind of easy to say one of the two Italian teams could be one of the, and it's only the two Milan teams that's in it now. So, yeah, I, I guess you could say that. Uh, you know, I don't know if that they'll win it, but maybe get to the final. Sure, ab- absolutely, they could. They could beat their their uh, if uh, Inter wins uh, against uh, uh, the Portuguese side they're playing tomorrow. Then, yeah, absolutely, um, it'd be a great Milan derby. Benfica, by the way. Thank you. I almost said Sporting. I was like, damn it, I'm had. I know I had something wrong. Anyway, uh, but nah, yeah, they 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 could absolutely, but then it had to play either what looks like it could be City or Milan. I mean, excuse me, Madrid, and then I then I don't know. So maybe getting to the to the final, yeah, but I don't know about winning it though. I dig that. I dig that. Now let's go into what our teams are going through this weekend, but. Let's start off in Germany. <laughs> what the hell was that in the Bundesliga, Cletus? Bayern Munchen. Hey. That was that was a hot weekend, man. Yeah. Saturday was a hot day in the Bundesliga, I must say. And, you know, as always, Dortmund being Dortmund, you know, geeking themselves and blaming Bayern Munich. But for them, I feel like yeah, this weekend was a bigger loss for Dortmund as a football club than you know any of their losses the past couple of years because if they would have kept that lead I feel like they could have probably won went on to win the league honestly because I could definitely see Bayern Munich dropping more points um until the end of the season but yeah man that just shows you Dortmund just for some reason they they're just they're flops they're, they're flat boys it's in their DNA like you know give them a tango lead they'll lose it yeah, that was embarrassing. If you guys aren't aware out there, Borussia Dortmund was playing Stuttgart on the yeah, weekend. Yep. Yeah, they played Stuttgart. These guys went Bottom up. Of the league. They went up uh, 2-0. Uh, Tangui Kolobali scored in the 78th minute. <laughs> and, oh, yeah, I forgot to mention. Dortmund goes up 2-0, then Costinos Mavropanos, former Arsenal player, gets a red card in the 39th minute. So they have a man advantage for an hour and then trick a two-goal lead. Mm-hmm. Giovanni Reina, the U.S.'s favorite tattletale, he scored the game-winning goal they thought in the 92nd minute. And Great. then Mvumpa scored the equalizer in the 97th. You would have thought someone died. It was crazy. And this was all in Stuttgart, by the way. So the Bundesliga intensity, the fans are the best. So the Stuttgart fans were going crazy. Jude Bellingham was looking like he was looking for his agent because he's ready to get out of there. It was a joke. But on the other side, Dortmund played Hoffenheim, and it was also a 1-1. That game was very underwhelming. Um, Pavard had to score in the 17th minute. He, uh, off a free kick, or sorry, a corner kick. Nice goal. He also had another goal, but it was offside. 
And then my man Kramerich scored a banger free kick in the 71st minute and to end that result. So two teams fighting for a title, but no one wants to win it. They stumble into the title. Marcus, as a guy who had to go in heavyweight fights against City every year, man, what does it look like to see this title race in Germany? Bro, I'm going to put Dortmund as the Bundesliga Spurs, bro. Okay? Because every time, bro, every time we – honestly, I didn't even really give them a chance this year. But watching that game, I remember I told somebody, I said, oh, this is done. They was up two zip early. We had a mile in sighting. They had everybody up top. And then I looked back. And then I see the results, and they're out here crying. Like, <laughs> league not over, but these dudes, you would have thought they lost the league, like you said. So I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to nominate them the Spurs of the Bundesliga, man, if, if we could do that. I dig that. I second that motion. Ephraim, do you third that motion? Yeah, I see where you're coming from. At least they won some titles, though. But, uh, yeah, I, I I see what you're saying. I I I definitely can understand the the sentiment calling them the uh, Spurs, but Ephraim, yeah, the last crazy. time the last time Dortmund won the Bundesliga, EDM was controlling the world. Man, that shit is over, man. Hey, it's still big over here where I'm at. See, so it ain't over. <laughs> and Vegas ain't that far from me. Oh yeah, um, you're I hear you though. No, I hear you though. I, I hear what you're saying. Like, yes, at the end of the day, look the trick to trick off a a two nil lead, especially with <laughs> being up a man. That yeah, that's hard not to agree with Marcus in that in that instance. But yeah, nobody wants this league apparently. At least those two teams don't want it. I mean, what is this fifty nine to fifty seven and points? Uh, Bayern uh, uh, leading the race. Mm-hmm. I mean, there'd be some um, uh, Premier League teams that'll be uh, in the in the uh, running for that if they was in the Bundesliga. So um, it's it's definitely not nobody's really wanting it right now. Uh, and like I said before in the previous podcast, if it wasn't for those damn seven draws, like that's that's what the problem is. Seven draws for Bayern. If it wasn't for that, eight draws eight now eight after the after another draw with Hoffenheim. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> hey, that free kick though, champagne goal uh, nominee. The yeah, same. for sure, for sure. Man, I wish Arsenal was in the Bundesliga. We would have won the league by now. But these goddamn Man City. Another story for another day, and might as well be the city, or is it city dropping the bag, or is it Arsenal dropping the bag? Oh, let me tell you something, man. We like to talk about the club, you know, champagne soccer. This is a podcast dedicated to the beautiful things about the sport. Cletus, I need bottle service because we bottle in the league. It's over. I told you. Hey, hey, just pull up Saturday, bro. We do the Rose Bar Day party and brainstorm how we about to get Pep out of the the country. Oh. I've been telling you for years, it's what we need to do. I like Pep. I'm, I, I mean, and we could like him from a distance. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. Send him back to to Spain or 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 to PSG from he, a distance. Nowhere for him to go, man. England is the best place for the bump, man. We stuck with him you unless we can figure out you something. Yeah, he won't allow you to manage my coach. Man, he has an apartment in New York. Tell him to he's go back. Still, he's still riding that bike. We can have somebody run up oh, on him. Oh, yeah. We can't oh, yeah, get some yeah, people yeah. to touch oh, yeah. him. Shh, 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 shh. I, got, shh, I got that. All right, man. 
All right. Anyways, you guys don't know out there, Arsenal, another week, another 2-0 trickery. Back-to-back rivalry games. We go at Anfield. We trick that off 2-2. Now we have the London Derby. We go on the West Ham. Another trickery, 2-2. Could have won the game. Saka missed the penalty. It is what it is. The chances were there. They can't take advantage of it. And like I said, people thought I was tweaking too much. Oh, Dan, you a pessimist. Oh, hey, man, I'm a realist. I've seen a lot of things in my lifetime. And let me tell y'all something. February 15th, Arsenal played um, City in the league, lost 3-1. Do you know what I called that episode the next day when recorded? Arsenal. Because I knew there was coming. The drop was coming that day. Two months ago, I saw it. Now, Arsenal only has a four-point lead. City has a game in hand. Bottle service. We ain't winning the league. We have the second youngest team in the league. We just happy to make the Champions League. It's tough, but when you're going against a machine like City, you can't drop points. And we've won in our last nine matches. We've won seven and drawn our last two. And because of that, City hasn't lost. It's a race. So, Anthony, the trouble is on. How are you feeling, man? Are you excited? Because you were saying earlier you don't want the PL. You don't want the FA Cup. All you want is the Champions League. Now that all three is definitely in your hands, how you feeling, man? You excited? Yeah, excited, feeling greedy. We going after them all, man. Uh, you know that metaphor they say, like, don't look behind you when you're racing. Um, Arsenal, y'all, y'all start looking behind themselves, and sometimes you hear that that patter, the foot going, and you think you can outrun it, but you can't. All of a sudden, the person who got that four three forty on you, passed you, grabbed you, hawked you. It's a wrap. We got the heart of a lion over here, and champions. We going after the Premier League. We're about to slide one of them Sheffield Wednesdays or Tuesdays on Saturday in the mm. FA Cup. <laughs> and, and then we got Arsenal on Wednesday. You know, oh, I even I just skipped over Bayern tomorrow. Man, we we taking care of it. Trust me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Yeah, that's, this is nasty, man. Uh, I wish we could have made the race more entertaining, world. But sorry, Man City's too dangerous. <laughs> Back three. Pep switched it up. He he put Holland on ice for a couple weeks as he tweaked the formation. And he, he's breaking the league again now with the back three, making John Stones a uh, box-to-box midfielder, man. Hey, who, who knew, you know? It's amazing. All right. Well, might as well get into your match this weekend. Manchester City, I've actually pulled up to your crib and we watched it. Um, <laughs> it was over at, after 30 minutes, would you say? Southampton lost one to four. Um, what would you say about that match? No, oh, man, that was a blackout match. I don't even remember it. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was like the training <laughs> yeah. session. Oh, I'm geeked. I'm geeked. Yeah. I'm talking about the week before. I'm, this weekend was sorry, Leicester. You guys played against Leicester at home. I was about to say this don't look right. And yeah, you guys won three one, three goals in the first twenty five minutes, and then it turned into a friendly, right? 
That's how oh, easy yeah. it is for you guys. Yeah, it, it was so easy. Pep put on Calvin Phillips, and they almost start coming back. See, now <laughs> I'm remembering. Yeah, and then now, hey, and now Pep, this whole week he's been saying, "Man, I I think I made the subs too too soon because you never. I I was a good lesson to learn that no game is ever finished, and and it's like, dang, he realized he geeked it by putting Calvin yeah. Phillips in. It just got crazy. He was so crazy. He put Sergio Gomez at left wing to give uh, Grealish yeah. a breather. I say, hey, man. Exactly. See, that's why we need Rafael Leal, man. He's smiling. He see that check coming. He know what's up. Hey, man. So, hey, I'm sorry. Yeah, even Cole Palmer got some bumps. See, that's what, yeah. yeah. Hey, yeah, it was a training session on, it, on this past weekend. Like, I'm sure. sorry for Lester because they, they're in regula- regulation battle, right? Yes, they are. Yeah, yeah sad. Sucks for them. <laughs> you know who else is sucked for this weekend? Leeds are yesterday. Leeds United, man. Liverpool dropped six on their head top. Thought you guys were going to take it easy, Marcus, for your American buddies, but, but y'all showed no mercy, man. Break it down for us. Hey, man. Um, first off, congratulations to Man City on the league. Because, uh, yeah, Dan, y'all y'all tricking this. That head-to-head matchup, I can see y'all drawing. Y'all both might win <laughs> out. We're going to lose that one. It's going to be ugly. Um, But, yeah, this week, you know, we we had, like, I, I, it seemed like the title of this episode is going to be Bottle Service. That's, it seemed like that's what my fellas ordered pregame to have on ice because, uh, Leeds want to get their ass into the championship, bro. They they was out here just looking trash. And we had, as uh, I said earlier, we had the Trent in the midfield. Like, all these little internet trolls be saying. But he wasn't really in the midfield. He still lined up at right back. But he played pretty much as uh, in the two, in the pivot, as a pivot with uh, Tiago for a minute. I'm not going to lie that that's that, that 20 minutes uh, session. And that assist to Nunez, beautiful. Um, I don't know if that will work on a bigger club, but yeah, we was out there cooking, man. Uh, who was that? Jato really came to work. Nunez got to go. Gakpo got to go. Shoot, we had a good performance from Curtis Jones. I mean, we was looking solid outside of Hendo. We was looking yeah. solid, you know. Leave that senior citizen alone, man. He's trying his best. He will be. I don't think he gonna get so this summer, but but best believe. It's a wrap for him starting. Hey man, that's the, hey, man, that's the captain, man. That's the heart of the team. Hey, man, I'm going to say can't this. Can't get rid of the white Draymond Green, man. Oh, I can't get rid of him, but I'm going to do him <laughs> just like I do on football, man. He can sit on the bench and coach from there. <laughs> oh, man, I'm feeling it. Now, Marcus, you didn't mention this, but I feel like I have to as the only left-handed person here. Mohamed Salah has now scored the most left-footed goals in Premier League history, passing your OG, Robbie Fowler. We both left-handed, man. You know that. Oh, yeah. I forgot we're members. Oh, well, hey, Marcus, how come you didn't bring that up then, man? Hey, man. I, hey, man. Mo, Mo kind of got me geeked from them penalties, bro. He <laughs> he been geeked since our flash, since they flashing with the uh, lights in, in the AFCON. Oh, yeah. That was sick. But uh, is let me ask all of y'all, man. Cletus, top of your head, is Mohamed Salah the best left-footed player in PL history? Uh, 
I don't want to say no because I could personally I could feel like there's competition with that. Name them, my man. I mean, I will I'll say Robin, but Robin didn't have the longevity of yeah. Salah in the Premier League. But if we look at what they've done as you know playing on that rifle with that left foot, I, I would say Robin was a little bit more dynamic and better. But Salah's had more of a longevity. For sure. E-Money Bags, you got another contender. I mean, RVP held it down for you as well. Helped Alex Ferguson win his last PL title. I mean, it's a good list of them here. You know, you got David Silva. You got Robin Van Persie. Uh, mess with Ozil. I wish he, if he would have stayed a little bit longer. I mean, that's a good little mix. Ryan Giggs with the longevity. Uh, as far as scoring wise, yeah, he might be though. As far as like attacking players, for sure. If you want to break it down like that, uh, um, you know, midfielders. Like I said, David Silva was one of them. That was one, probably one of the better midfielders in Premier League history. I'm gonna give him. I'm gonna give him his flowers on that. Um, I don't know, man. It's it's a couple good ones, and, and some coming for the crown. You know, like Bukayo Saka, obviously left footed. Uh, I think Erlen Holland might be left footed, if I'm not mistaken. Um, can't remember if he is or not. Yeah, he, he is. is. He, he is. Oh my he day. is. He just yeah, started. Wow. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm saying. Those, those that are coming up. That's what I'm. That's what I'm saying. I said you got come, some of those that are coming yeah, up. Yeah, they got put like what six, seven years in. Maybe, maybe. But I, yeah, I, 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 I give, I give Mo Salah, but I give Mo Salah his, his flowers too, though. As far as attacking players, as of right now, yeah, I, I give him that. Um, and shout out to us, all us left-handed, left-footed people in the world. So I know, Dan, I know you left-handed. Mark, you left-handed too? That's what's up. <laughs> yeah, man. 30%. Yeah. But best-handed, baby. Yeah, well. <laughs> easier, easier, easier to round y'all up. Y'all talk about it so much. Yeah, I had a colonizer joke, but I'm going to look straight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, I, was, I was waiting for you to say that, Jim, because yeah, you know, that's fine. That's using the left, the left, yeah. you get beat. You know. Yeah, you used to have free now. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Anthony is is Erling Holland the best left-footed player in PL history. Nah. Um, you know, my intermediate knowledge of the game and heritage, I was gonna say David Silva, because he his left foot was crazy and he won championships. You know, Salah only got one as far as I know. So he yeah. got a league title and a Champions League. And, and he was uh, the best player on both of them, okay? Okay. <laughs> Not a supporting cast was, member. He wasn't a backup I mean, dancer. Did, did Silva get a World Cup? Mm, yeah, but as a backup dancer. <laughs> <laughs> you know that was a Barcelona squad? Hey, yeah, man. He, he wasn't getting no PT on that squad, bro. <laughs> hey, man, if you're there, if you're there, you're there, man. <laughs> You, I dig it. That's why I don't really rate trophies as much if you were just there. You got to be one of the reasons why y'all won. John Sally. Yeah, exactly. Look at that guy. Hey, man. Robert Ory. <laughs> yeah, hey, nah, he be, I mean, he be nah, he was big game Ory, though. He was big game. He made he plays, big... but nah, that's a good point you mentioned, Ephraim, because I'll never forget on ESPN when Robert Ory tried to act like he had a better career than Tracy McGrady. You see? Oh. That's the nonsense that happens when you think about that trophy lifestyle. That's why we have ring culture. Check that out, guys. It's on the network. But anywho, yeah, I'll say um, I got to salute Salah. I mean, my man has been 
balling ever since he re-entered uh, the league with Liverpool. He's been on fire ever since. He's been asked to carry the scoring load on the team. He's been able to do that. When people said he was too selfish, he worked on his all-around game and led the league in assists last year. So, I mean, he even had goal this season. Like, he had champagne goal this season in the Premier League last year. Like, I got to give him his props. He's been one of the best players in the world for the last half decade. Everyone said he was slowing down this year and his numbers are still crazy. So I got to give Salah props, man. How long you think he got left? Uh, he is about 30. Look at, look at Mane. I, don't, yeah. I, I, I might give Mane another year, but it's looking like the toll of playing in this system kind of do wear at you at this 31, 30-year age. I do hear you, but I, this can be a good segue into, you know, tactics because ever since, of course, it's a very small sample size, but ever since you guys have altered your formation, it's gotten the best out of Trent playing in that right half space, you know, as the DM pushing up to create, Hendo gets more relief, you know, because they play on as a triangle together on the right, Hendo, Salah, and Trent. And now with this new position, Salah's been on the ball more. You see he had a brace yesterday. It is against Lee. But I think with a tactical change, you can get peak Salah for at least, I would say, two more seasons. That brother never gets hurt. Egypt is kind of huffed, so you don't got to worry about him getting ran to the ground with AFCON and stuff. I think he can give you high-level football for at least two more seasons. Didn't he sign a contract extension before the year, Marcus, for like, what, three more years? Or? Yeah, I think he got three or four more years. Yeah, And think, he's the highest paid now. Yeah, I think two more seasons, high-quality Salah. Got to continue to improve the roster, though. But um, let's talk about this tactical change. Um, Robert... Roberto De Zerbi, I don't know what's going on with me today. He of Brighton has influenced a lot of tactics with the way buildup has been changed. As you guys know, Ephraim, he, he gets ticked off by it. Many teams like to play from the back, control the ball. De Zerbi's spin on it is building with a 4-2, with the back four and your double pivots including the goalkeeper, that's seven people involved in the buildup. So you create overload cells so that whenever a team is pressing you, you always have another outlet. That's given them the best ball progression in England ever since the Zerbi's taken over. Pep said that they're the best buildup team in Europe. And they've influenced a lot of guys to change certain tweaks in their systems. So what do you guys think about the Zerbi style? And do you think this will be the new form of building up play moving forward? Well, it, to me, it takes just more than being able to do that. You also have to have the players to that, that are able to implement that system. I think he has the right players to be able to do it. Uh, I think, yeah, to answer your question, yes, it can. Um, I, as I said in the chat this week, I mean, even United's been changing the way that they build up from the back, uh, and it's been working a lo little bit better, a little bit. I'd say it's 100%. Um, you know, so, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think they the way that he does it, by not necessarily sitting all the way back, 
but by kind of even still inviting some some pressure a little bit to exploit that the space that that's provided when when teams press a little higher um yeah it can work you know but like i said you got to have the players and you like you like you mentioned before yeah i do get mad i do get upset when i see teams play out of the back it's because they don't have the players to do it and so when you get pressed you don't know how to you know to hit the hit the pivots in the right way you don't know when to trigger the certain players to run a certain in, in a certain space uh to receive the ball so you know Deserby, you know, to his credit, he's found he has some really good players on Brighton that he already had from from Grand Potter leaving. There was a good team already. He just, you know, he just made them look better, a lot better, especially when they're possession. So, yeah, all all credit to him for uh, for finding something that works and 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 having his team on a nice little roll. Cletus, as a guy that took. Potter from Brighton so that they can get Deserby. Are you wishing that you sired Deserby as your coach instead? Yeah, I mean, I heard that there was rumors that I guess we were looking at him or we had a talk with him before even getting Potter. And again, we got the wrong guy. But I think him coming to Brighton, um, he definitely like enhanced what Potter was building there. But just looking at them now, they are a completely different team. You know, they seem better in possession, a lot excuse me, I won't say, you know, when Potter was there, they weren't a good possession-based team, but I feel like now he's, like, made them more stronger in possession as well as, like, you know, transitioning from, like, that that possession to attack very fast with my boy Mitoma on the, on the left wing, you know, while back coming off the bench, you know. First, I don't know what it is, but everything clicked once he joined, and, you know, they they have a bright future next season. I want to see what they're going to do in the summer and see how they're going to be able to add to that team. But moving forward, if they could keep that base of, you know, possession base and building up play from the back, you know, I definitely see them having a good season next year as well. And real quick, I think you made a really good point too, uh, Clay. Just like, like they are Brighton and I'm not, nothing against them. At the same time, are you going to be able to attract some players to come to the team uh, that fit that scheme, to fit that, to fit, what uh deserve he wants to do so that's that's what i look at like will, will they be attractive enough for players to come there that will fit and and, and work yeah. with them? you know that, that's the only thing i would look at other than that yeah they're great I, I like what they're doing i think what might benefit them is continuing going on a path that they've been on now when it comes to scouting um i don't want to say Zerbi or like even potter don't have a, a voice and you know their scouting process but I don't know what they're doing over there when it comes to scouting, but if you look at some of the players that they found and you know how they've molded them into the team, that's one thing I do feel positive about is their scouting that, you know, they'll be able to find the pieces that's going to be able to fit into their team moving forward. Yes, definitely. And I always joke around, but I'm telling you, you're from just get that in-game editor and look at football manager. Football manager actually has all the real names of coaches, scouts, academy players. And it is interesting when you actually, because I've done this, I've actually went and looked at the coaching and staff, the scouting staff, where they specialize in. Because if you guys notice, Matoma is a Japanese player. No one really knew about him. Casado's from uh, Ecuador. Um, my man, Alexis McAllister, is an Irish Argentinian. We didn't really know these guys. They brought Danny Welbeck back from the dead. 
they're building up the right players and identifying profiles that matches what tactically the coach wants because every coach, not even every, because, you know, that's a false generalization, but many coaches want to build through possession style teams. And with these players, the Zerbi has figured out ways to manufacture counterattacks. This is what Manchester City has been doing recently. And this is a key thing in their tactic is that a lot of times, because they're building up with that back four and double pivot, people are more patient with the press. So that's when they hold on to the ball. They'll actually, you'll notice it. They'll players will actually put their foot on the ball, holding on it, waiting for pressure to come so they can kind of cause a fast action to happen. That's what John Stones has been good at. And I think Rico Lewis, that's why he had to sit down because John Stones, he's good at embracing the press, pushing it on. Rico Lewis is good at that too. But when it comes to manufacturing counterattacks, I think that's the thing that a lot of teams are going to try to copy too. Because you know how it is when you're building up against mid and low blocks, you need to create certain actions to create more movement. And I think that counterattack holding on the ball is going to be something a lot of teams try to replicate moving forward. I think that's a modification. That would be a modification of uh, the side to side flow. Cause I think that's, yeah. if you saw that was the trend. Just go side to side quicker. Then they can adjust. They can overload the side. But, um, to speak on his tactics, I do think that um, like I, it's a he's a Pep son, but he he bringing that Italian influence over, so I, I really like that and like kind of like y'all said, the player profiles fit that, and he adjusting the roles. Um, mm-hmm. Yep. Like what is that when when Potter was there, Wellbeck wasn't playing that kind of he wasn't just going in the channels, he was trying to be a target man. Yeah. And uh, McAllister was kind of, I would say, would you say more of the eight, more of the eight role? Now he's playing like a, a hybrid six role in this. Yeah, system. yep. He's in a double pivot. Yep, you're right. So it's like those those minor adjustments like are major because it's giving those players the confidence and they they feel comfortable in those roles. Um, I that y'all did highlight. Um, their recruiting is a bit different. Um, I did see a piece on it. I forgot what it what it what they were detailing, but it's certain aspects of a player's that, traits that they do look for, and they go after more. They go after those players more. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I I do have confidence in them to continue to grow, but um, it's gonna just be funny when people start picking the players from them. Like, what if Ty Bowley likes Matoma? And he spends whatever outrageous price to get them. Like, it, are they going to be able to reload as fast? They did with certain positions. Yeah. But we, we got to see if they're still able to do it over time. For sure. Because, I mean, tomorrow, oh, sorry, Ephraim. I, I just wanted to say this real quick. Like, look at Troussard. They lost him and Matoma walks in no problem. They just, yeah, they just know how to identify. But go ahead, E, my bad. I was going to say that I, I, while I hear what you guys are saying, and I agree with a lot of uh, pretty much every point you guys are making as far as building their team through scouting, we all also know, like, you're still going to need those one or two players that are, you know, somewhat superstars for the most part to come in there and put you over the top. I mean, what are their aspirations going to end up being? Is it going to be to continue to get into the uh, Euro League, Europa League, or 
Do they want to get into the Champions League? Do they want to win the league? You know, so what is their ambition going to end up being? I mean, we've seen it with Arsenal, even though you guys are, are they are dropping the ball uh, recently. But what what helped them this year? Uh, it was the the acquisition of Zinchenko and Jesus, right? That really helped put them over the top in a way, even though there's still some games left to see what they can do. But it helped them get over that top. Like, look at what happened last year with Arsenal, right? I'm, and I'm, I'm talking about Arsenal because we've seen this process happen. You know, the, last year they had a chance of going to top four. They were rolling for a little bit, and then they dropped the ball at the end of the season, right? And they weren't even in the top four. You know, so they, they were still missing those pieces. And granted, they are a younger team, I give you that. But they went the same route, right? Recruiting younger players and, and getting people to fit a system. So I get I get all that. But I still think that to get Brighton over the top, what they're going to need is that one or two like, bigger-name player. It doesn't have to necessarily be a, a Kevin De Bruyne or – you know, a Erlen Holland or somebody like that necessarily, but they're going to need some a, a couple big players to come there and do some do some damage and help that team get to the next level. I think I think there's only so far these players can go. I loved where they're playing. Don't get me wrong. At the same time, I think I think there's just going to have to be those couple a couple pieces that they're they're going to need that that this going to have to go come from beyond just scouting uh, uh, certain players all the time. I hear that, and I think with a team like that, Brighton, they've been a second, third division team most of their existence. Their owner, Tony Bloom, is like a famous sports better and poker player. He's been like in the World Series of poker and all that. Um, he's a lifelong Brighton fan. His dad and I think uncle or his grandpa, they used to be on Brighton's board in the 70s. So this brother is a Brighton fan through and through. He's going to be willing to do whatever it takes to help them continue to move forward with their progression because right now they are, what, seventh in the league? Yeah, they're seventh in the league with 49 points and 29 matches played. So they do have a chance to an outside chance at getting in the Europa League and maybe even the Champions League if Newcastle goes on a drop-in spree. But I think moving forward, you can identify talent and just recruit the right way. I don't think you need to have a superstar signing to make things change. I think their practice right now of identifying talent, developing talent, that's how you should grow teams when you're not at the top of the table. That's what Borussia Dortmund did back in the days with Gundogan, Lewandowski, Guts, Hummels, they identified young, talented players, built them up, eventually became German champions and Champions League finalists. It's going to be harder to do that in England, but I think you can build a team organically just through identifying talent. Sure, they'll have and the guys will have ambitions to go to bigger clubs and get more money, but I think you can build a competitive team this way, even though it will be tough. But Anthony, what do you think about the Zerbi and his tactics and how it's influenced the league and even Pep? I like how Pep shows respect to different managers. Um, shows uh, every master is always a student forever, you know. So that's that's one aspect. And Brighton, <clears throat> their style of play is awesome. Uh, it's good to see. Uh, 
really y'all covered it all for real. Um, I was about to make a joke and say Polishes can go there and do something. You know, he has Champions League experience, but that that's not the quality of player they're looking for. Yeah, Matoma, Matoma will not. He will be sitting down <laughs> behind Matoma. <laughs> yeah. So, but I think they're honestly their location. They're the only um, stadium that when they're playing and they show like, oh yeah, we're bright, blah blah. It looks beautiful. So I feel like that yeah. could be something that attracts, that attracts anybody. Be like, man, I don't we we could hey, I'll fight for a Champions League or middle of the table over here. You know, it's it's beautiful. Yeah, um, man. you so get to live near the beach. Hard. Right. You know, it's beautiful sunlight, atmosphere, could be great for your mental health. You know, we're in that age. So who knows? They could they could find players that will go there if it becomes like an incubator spot like Dortmund, like you said, Dan. Um the location makes me think of Monaco in uh League Uh and just oh, how nice. they, that's a that's a beautiful area. You know what I'm saying? We see mm-hmm. out there they were a good farm. So Brighton, if they not just if it's not just a <clears throat> a manager's philosophy and they adapt it as a culture, then they may go far, man. It's tight. For sure, because hey, Deserbi ain't gonna be there forever, man. If Milan, and that was hey, that's up, perfect. Milan that's exactly is, what I was gonna say. Juventus, I, a lot of boys are gonna call him, and that's what I was gonna say mm-hmm. to you. So to your point, uh, Anthony, like if they build a culture, you know, that's more than just the coach, right? Because if, if he's doing this well and he continue, let's say he goes in next year, they get to the let's get to get top four next year or something like that. Team's gonna call him. They're gonna call, and he's gonna be hard for him to say no. I mean, we already seen it with one of their coaches, but they do have a good culture. I give it that. And I think that if they continue to build that good culture over just like, you know, over well, over what their t- their coaches, who, who their coaches are, excuse me, then yeah, then they probably do have a chance of doing something. I give you that. For sure. Now, let's talk about another culture real quick and their tactics. Barcelona is known for playing uh, possession-based slick stylish passing game where they don't need physicality they're more about iq ball movement positioning understanding the game now they still play that way but it's not the silky smooth game that xavi experienced as a player as a coach now they are on pace to break uh la liga's goals conceded record which is 18 they currently have nine through 29 matches. Fans and certain people seem to not like this pragmatic style that Barca plays, but they're going to win the league. So what do you guys think? Do you think that playing this pragmatic style isn't the Barca way, or is it just about the trophies and, you know, the champagne lifestyle? Because they're going to pop a bottle this year. I think for Xavi... He kind of need to be a little bit more pragmatic because I think that was the only way he was going to be able to win the league going against Madrid. You know, Madrid could have a hot day or a cold day, but for some reason they always find a way to win at the end. But he knew with this young team, especially with, you know, having a lot of new players coming into the team as well, that defense was going to be really important for them. But, you know, for their defense to be as strong as it's been this season, I'm extremely surprised at it. Um, I didn't see that coming, but... I think moving forward, this is something that he's definitely going to try to implement more because you really can't win titles with with just being a fully offensive-minded team unless you're Bayern Munich. 
I mean, we all know the cliche, defense wins championships. I mean, if you give you, you give up only nine goals, I mean, granted, we still have a few games left, but you only give up nine goals in the season. I mean, that's 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 crazy. And and you should win your league if you, that's what you're doing. And to Clay's uh point, yeah, I'm I'm extremely surprised as well. But you know, if if fans of Barcelona aren't happy, I mean, you're not happy with winning the league. I mean, I'm sorry. Like, I don't care how you win the league, you win the league, right? You know, Leicester City won the league in 2016. They didn't they played a counterattacking style. I'm sure their fans were happy, right? So I don't I don't I, I know you're used to certain ways of playing when you're Barcelona. You have you have your own your own your own uh renowned uh, uh, a youth system in Barcelona that that teaches this certain you know uh, football Johan Cruyff type of playing style. I get it, but come on, man! If you win the league, you win the league, and and I, I don't see any kind of uh, pushback against something like that, in my opinion. Anthony, one of the guys that I like to read, they mentioned that they feel like they switch this system to be similar to. City's three box three, where Kunde is nominally a right back, but he pushes into the back three. Gavi from the left wing tucks inside to set up the box. What do you think about their setup and how it's used? Because I know you are a big skeptic of Barca, and your point still stands. They're still moving dodgy. Actually, they're even dodgier than when you denounce them. So how do you feel about their dominance in La Liga? <laughs> Well, it's good that Barcelona, aka the Spotify slaves, are cashing in about to win their title in their league. That's cool. Uh, Gavi dropping back. I believe that's that's good for him. I always saw him more as a, I guess, an attacking midfielder than a number nine, like Spain yeah. had him. She was nasty. Sorry, <laughs> um, but he that he's a great player. Um, uh, Xavi, honestly. I'm almost with the Barcelona fans, man. He could go kick rocks and go pick up the job at Atletico Madrid and oh. moving like that. <laughs> it's, it's like, nah, it's like, nah. <laughs> man. Hey, man. Hey, but Diego Simeone should probably get fired if somebody pull up in your league and start running your style better than you. So. I hear you. I hear you, Anthony. But do you know, <laughs> do you know ever since, ever since you said that, do you know Diego Simeone has been, he created a new bus. <laughs> Anthony, they have a new hey, bus. Extender, extender. Yes, man. They haven't lost in they haven't lost in a week, man. Not even a week. They they've won five in a row in at in uh, La Liga. My man, no, actually, they win streak. Yeah, the last time they lost in La Liga was oh my god, no, January. They've been, bro, they, they've been scoring a lot of goals, winning a lot of games, bro. I don't know what's going on, but he got a new oh. bus. Once they said to be parking the bus, man, he he took that drone to pit my ride and came back correct. Ah <laughs> uh, man, shout out exhibit. Nah, yeah, he got a new bus, man. That's crazy. Well, yeah, man. That good. For, get on them. That's good. Then you know? I'm sorry for hating, but back to Barcelona. That's good that their box is working. I hope they break that record. Records are meant to be broken. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, that's about it. Exhibit, are, exhibit, are you here to pimp my ride? I know. <laughs> uh, man, speaking of buses, man, let's talk about the king of buses. Jose Mourinho, 
Roma is currently third place in Serie A. They have 56 points. There's eight matches left. Everyone's level on games played. They're the biggest benefactors, I think, of uh, Juventus's 15-point deduction. Because if Juventus didn't lose those points... They'd be like top two, wouldn't they? Yeah, they'd be second place. <laughs> oh, man, but Claytis, I know you're a big Josie fan. Can you break down his impressive run at Roma? Last year, they won the first ever Conference Cup. This year, it looks like they're going to get a Champions League spot. How are you feeling seeing your uncle thrive again? I mean, like I said, you know, Jose is Jose. And I'm actually campaigning to get him back home for next year to get these kids in line. But I feel like him at Roma has just shown how great of a coach he is and being able to achieve what he's done with the, I don't want to say the low quality, but the quality that he's been given so far. He has grandpas on that pitch, bro. I mean, of course, you know, I don't want to disrespect certain men them on the field. (laughs) Bro, we was playing with El Sherway on FIFA, what? Yeah, bro, I'm sharp, bro, but you know, Chris Smalling just signed a uh, an extension. Oh, come on, bro. When all the, the ghosts of Liverpool passed, my man is running around again like he has a new leg. I'm trying to hey, respect my boy Tammy. He wasn't man. lying about that. He's, he's a new father. <laughs> my boy Timmy's a new father. I don't want to slight him or nothing like that, bro. But, you know, Matic is over there. The rest of the oh grandpa. God, the ghost there. of Matic. I forgot. Yeah. yeah. Mm. But that's what I'm saying, though. Like, for him to have a team of, you know, yes, experienced individuals, but at the same time, some grandpas and, you know, some still young and developing players, he's achieved a lot. No real funds to buy players or nothing like that. And, you know, I think after the World Cup, Romo was another team that kind of struggled getting back in form, but slowly they picked up wins, even with him getting his red card and not being able to be on a touchline, you know, he's still finding ways to set up the team and get them to get a win. So, Personally, I think Jose at Roma these past two years has been like a revelation for him. And for those people who really have followed, you know, the CRI and Roma, Napoli, all those teams, you would say, you know, you respect what Jose has done at, at Roma. Like he's he's achieved a great deal for Italian soccer. He's gained them another Champions League spot in the essence as well. So personally, I think he deserves to come back home. Hey, much respect to him for what he's done. I give you that. Only question I would ask is how long will he last? Because we all know how it goes with him. I mean, you know, it's so long. Right? It's, Jose. it's Jose. If he yeah, wants exactly. to more, he's gonna leave, and I don't, I don't have an issue with that. I don't think niggas should be mad at that. I feel like nah. him going to Roma. I think Roma more so like where they needed a coach, and they were happy that it ended up being Jose and him achieving what he's done is way more than what they had anticipated. So I'm pretty sure they'll be sad to see him leave, but I don't think like it's a situation where they're like, oh, Jose is the worst coach. Da, da, da. Like, oh, no. Nah. You know, he did things above his requirement and he's brought some form of stability to the club. So it's like they could definitely build on what he's done as well. Yeah, you got to uh, give him his props. Um, absolutely. When they won the Conference League last year, that was the first trophy the club has won in about 14 years since the Italian Cup in 2008. So he came in instant success. Um, They are still in the Europa League. They're down 1-0 on aggregate to Feyenoord, so they could come around and 
turn around and then advance in that also. So it is cool to see Jose doing his thing. And I think it does bring back Italian football in a sense that they do need big personalities. As y'all know, we're all Premier League fans. We love other leagues, but when we see the PL, that's what dominates everything. And for Serie A to have a big personality like Jose Mourinho to help sell the game, it is important because <laughs> as crazy as it sounds, he's the biggest name in the league right now as a coach. And it is cool to see him thrive, especially since he almost killed his career going to Tottenham. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Like, I, I I give credit where credit's due. He, he's definitely proven himself, obviously. You know, the, the, his name speaks for himself. He's the only person in the world that can give himself a nickname like the special one, so, uh, and get away with it. You know what I'm saying? So, no, so I know, for real, credit where credit's due. I, I, he, he deserves all the flowers he ever gets, so. And, and, and uh, Dan, just, just a, I want you to retract that statement you just made. He didn't ruin his career at Spurs. Spurs tried to ruin his career. Because if he would have stayed, he would have won that that trophy. We don't know. If he come on, come on. Who did they play in that final? It was Huff team. It was a Huff team because they ended up losing. Thought it was City. They played in the final. Yeah, they played. They played like a a, a low team. Let me see. Okay. And which final? FA Cup. Now, what final did they make with Mourinho? It was, Wasn't it the it was Carabao a, Cup? It was the Carabao Cup. Oh. It was a it was a low squad. Yeah, just like, no. It was Manchester City. Yeah, I was about to say he was gonna beat them. No, he <laughs> he told him to skedaddle. Come on, come on, man. That game, I will not be spooked to put my money on Jose. Well, you'll lose it on, on a one, on a on a one game against his arch nemesis Pep. You know he's you know how he's coming out. He's gonna tell niggas to take the red card. He's never beat the boy in a <laughs> competition. Remember when they played each other in the Champions League? That was barbecue chicken. I mean, but hey, 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 hey. Oh, my bad. Now they hey, did hey. beat them for the Copa del Rey, and then and then my man dropped the Copa del Rey during the celebration, Sergio Ramos. Legendary. Thank you. All right. Yeah. Talking about it, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at the score. It was just 1-0. So, I mean, it wasn't like it was a blowout. Yeah, no. Nah, that... That I feel like that was a game perfectly set up for Jose with his like you know attacking team or his counterattacking team of uh what's gonna call it Spurs and having that space and that pace up top, they would have definitely gave City a run for their money in that final. Like that that could have been it for Spurs. I think that would have been a bigger trophy achievement for them than winning a Champions League. Oh my god, all right. Yes, yeah, I mean, hey, Spurs, bro, you gotta start somewhere. Hey man, I'm looking at yeah, the yeah, you know what? I, I I agree with that. It was Spurs yeah, sick man. Hey, hey man. <laughs> my bad. Go ahead. I at, when I look at the Jose track record, bro, and I see everywhere Porto trophy, Chelsea trophy, Inter trophy, Madrid trophy, United trophy. And then you come to the bums, you get to the final. Hey, and it's, hey, it's hey. You. Yeah, selective, selective, man. What happened to his first career job? Benfica, no trophy. Get out of here. What happened to that? Come on, man. Relax. Man. All right, all right. <laughs> Just had to make, man. Relax, relax, man. Selective relax. memories, man. I mean, what, what, when did Pep win his little uh, Barca B League? Show? Yes, he did. I'm, I bet. Yeah, uh, look at you. He didn't know he did. He I, bet he, I bet. I hope he did. 
Yes, he did. He's, he's won a league everywhere he's been to. Everywhere. Even in the even in the middle school league, he'll make you win. Why I mean, do you think he why why do you think I, he was I, in love with Busquets so much? Busquets was his best pupil on the team. I know, I know him and Pedro. And Tiago, yeah. But I mean, why are you saying it like Jose hasn't won the league? Hey, I, you hey, like I said, he huh? you, you didn't you didn't huh? name Benfica for a reason. Huh? I mean, but but you said the real question is but, why did you think Pep didn't win Barca B? Because you mentioned that for a reason. You thought yeah, he didn't win that? Not because I remember it was it was always oh, we have this great coach, Barca B, Barca B, but you never heard to the end of the season. You just heard the Barca B coaches coming to Barcelona. They won because... <laughs> That's how the story always went. It's always the Barca B, boom, fast forward, he's at Barca. He's an A-team coach now. Whoa. <laughs> hey, man. Come on. I mean, then again, bro, you know how Barca is. The the the, the regime team, that's what they're called. Mm-hmm. Hey. So, you know, dictatorship... Hey, I'm about to send you an article, Cletus. I'm about to put it in the chat. It's called How, How Pep Guardiola Changed Barca B, man. He changed the culture. God. That's why they knew he was the one. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, man. All right. But, oh, yeah. Cletus, you wanted to mention something about, uh, you know, Real Madrid, Barcelona. There's some shenanigans going along. Why don't yeah, you educate yeah, the yeah, masses? Yeah. It's it's really really getting spicy in in Spain right now, man. I feel like we're getting back to the early 2010 rivalry of Spain. I mean, of uh, Barca and uh, Madrid. It may not be the same on the field, but in the boardroom, is getting very spicy. So recently, with the accusations or the allegations of Barcelona paying referees for favoritism in the league and throughout their competitions. They've came back out and hit out at Madrid saying that Madrid is the one that's leaking all this information. Madrid is the team that's been favored by the referee and has always been supported by the government and the regime. And and Madrid took it next level. I actually have Madrid TV on my Sling membership account. And I actually saw the video on there. They were broadcasting this video on the Madrid TV network. And in the video, they were breaking down how Barcelona during, you know, like the Nazi days of Hitler and all that stuff, there was a dictator in Spain as well. And he was pretty much... General Franco? Yeah, Franco. Franco was was a Barcelona supporter. And it was said that there was games where Franco would personally come into the the locker room of the Barca team, give them a pep talk, and by the end of the game, Barca was winning games 8-0 and stuff like that. And they had a, um, I think it was like the Copa del Rey match where for some reason, oh yeah, Madrid, Madrid, their players were hurt. And, you know, Barca ended up winning the game 3-0 or something like that. And then the return leg was, I think Madrid came back and won like 8-something once they had like all their players back in form and they weren't playing at Barcelona's home anymore. So it's crazy because like these are really big allegations because like Madrid is openly coming out and saying, yes, you supported a Nazi regime. And like they they put this video out on the Madrid TV, Barca fans with the high Hitler sign, like against the Swastika, you know, like pledging their allegiance to Franco. And, you know, this is a really big deal. And 
unfortunately, the the president of La Liga, as well as, you know, some of the members in the government had to come in and ask Madrid to take the video down. But I, I know Madrid is going to eventually take the video down, but I think this is going to spark a whole new wave of rivalry between them two. And realistically, Barcelona needs Madrid to stay relevant in the league and to be able to have their marketing pool around the world. So it's going to be very interesting to see how this plays out between the two of them. Uh, recently, when they had their last El Clasico game, Madrid um, front office, Perez and the guys didn't go to that. They actually went to a basketball game for Madrid. So, you know, stuff like that, you definitely got to keep an eye out for it because Madrid and Barcelona do a lot of business together for the league and just to be able to generate revenue for the league. So if they go their separate ways, I know Perez is going to benefit way more. He's going to definitely take advantage of it. Um, so, yeah, that's that's what's going on over here in La Liga and in Spain at the moment. The funny thing is that I always grew up learning that General Franco <laughs> used Real Madrid for propaganda. He was the dictator, I believe, of Spain from like 1938 to 1973-75. And people feel that he used Real Madrid as a propaganda machine to, you know, showcase his dominance because he's not from Catalonia. You already know. If you're a Barcelona fan, you got to be Catalon from Catalonia. He's not from Catalonia. There's also a theory that he's the one that was behind Alfredo de Stefano slighting Barca to go to Real Madrid. So, yes, politics at hand. Real Madrid, <laughs> you know, Barca's trying to, you know, trying to deflect because they got a lot of controversy going on and then they throw mud at them. It's funny. I don't know what's going to happen out of it. I don't think anything. Just propaganda 101. Anthony is a man that is uh, supporting a club that has a dictator or alleged, you know, czar owning them. How do you feel about this? You know, I like muddy tactics in the in the boardroom, as as Claytus put it. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I also think it's funny how they can't survive without each other. It's like a Batman Joker conundrum. Yeah, so man. Well said. Almost like. It's almost like we can throw as much dirt on you as we need to, because hey, man, this is the part of the theater. This is the show. This is what we need. So, um, it's cool to get a little history lesson too. Uh, yeah, for sure. Now, Marcus, do you are you feeling this propaganda campaign, or is this just Real Madrid trying to you know throw some salt on some brothers because they' about to lose the league again? Yeah, it looks like. They're trying to get an asterisk, put it on Barca's title. I see the nasty tactics. Put this out on your private network, then taking it down, acting like you didn't do nothing. Like, come on, man. Come on, man. I, I, I can't respect it, man. Just take your L like a man. Get the Champions League and, and just and just look straight. But but all this pulling up history and stuff, man, you know damn well the league can't go back on that. So what we doing, bro? We we just doing we just playing that game like how Aunt said, man. They trying to get him canceled like Kanye. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> we, we going on Tucker Carlson next? Hey, that's crazy. Hey, You're talking about swastikas, man. I said, hey, man. Chill, because they just settled that drink too. The settlement was ugly. 
That's hilarious, man. It went from referee scandals to racist allegations, man. What's yeah. going on? La Liga for you. Ever since the Messi <laughs> and Cristiano show died out, man, it's it's not looking good. It's like WWE, bro. Oh yeah. By the way, People Robert Lewandowski, yeah, Lewandowski leads the league in goals, and they have the reigning Ballon d'Or winner Benzema. But dang, they got to talk about Franco. Hey, man. <laughs> <laughs> Marcus, maybe you can let us know about some happy league, some happy stuff going on in a positive league like the MLS. Man, they don't got nothing like that going on, right? <laughs> Got nobody that got enough money to be that corrupt, just to be quite honest with you. <laughs> Shit, David Beckham went out riches on us, man. He I went to Turkey to get the whole hairpiece. Hey man, come on, man. What what about your guy? Doesn't he own some of DC United? Can he get us that Glorilla money to do something? Oh Jesus Christ. <laughs> we got we got uh we got Yo Gotti, we got Russell. Uh what is that? He he owned part of that uh that team up there. So yeah, we got a couple couple uh player owners out here, yeah, you know. KD's a part owner with the Philadelphia Union. Yeah, it's a couple guys out here, but you know, this Rick week Ross does too. Who that? Rick Ross. I know Ross has a team too. He's been sponsoring a team. He probably he probably got wing stop on on uh Inter Miami. <laughs> you know how that go. Yeah. But this week, you know, MLS Momento, we back. Uh, what is that? We we swapping it out this week. You know, we we trying to give a, a a little history on the coaches of the MLS because you know, I mean, if I say some names, you ain't gonna know them. So this week, we focusing on one of the African American coaches, Mister Wilford Nancy, aka the killer of the MLS right now, man. Homie last year was the coach of Montreal. And they ended up in the top three. All this all season, they they he was supposed to get an extension. Uh, they tricked it, and Columbus Crew said, "Hey, let me get that up off you." Um, and this Montreal squad that he took, he took over previously from uh Dan, your boy, Henri, who had them in tenth. <laughs> okay, so this brother took them from tenth to third, pretty much with the same squad. Uh, but let's focus in on his brother. Um, his main focuses and his uh for his philosophy is he pre he pretty much is strong on relationships because he does go in on some of his players when they do wrong. Uh, he has a bit of empathy. He pretty much is like really friendly with his players, and he's big on trust. Um, and if you see some of the Columbus Crew's uh goals this year, to think. To to believe that somebody to think that your compadre is gonna get in those positions, you gotta trust them. You gotta trust them. But yeah, homie formation, he really run that three four three, aka that three four two one. Um, he pretty much big on. He played like a pretty much style similar to Europe. You know, his wing backs are pretty much getting up the pitch. They very expressive. But the thing that's different with homie, his two pivots. 
they pretty much take up those. They could be next close to each other, and they're gonna take up those spaces wherever the fullback is leaving. And right now, that is killing the MLS because they have a former Atlanta United player and Mr. Nagby out here killing the game with his uh killer passes. Uh, um, so yeah, his focus is like I said, a lot of long balls, switching it out wide, then cutting it back inside to the to the guy that's coming in from the box. And um, yeah, he bit like I said, he right now he he's leading the league in seventeen with his team with seventeen goals. And um, they what is that? I, I don't know their record, but yeah, that's how focus. Two, I think. Okay, yeah. So they fourteen two. They just got the draw this previous week, and uh, yeah, that's our coach's profile this week. The game we only I'm only gonna focus on one game this week. It's pretty much like rivalry time in the MLS, but it's kind of geek because every team didn't play their rivalry this week. But the match that we focusing on on match week eight is. El Trafico, LALC versus LA Galaxy. You know, the big dogs. <laughs> you know, this matchup don't seem a Zlatan hat trick. And we've also seen Zlatan's last uh, Classico. He got washed, gave them no goals. Uh, we seen the Chicharito magic uh, from LAFC. We seen the Vela magic and we seen the Chico. Magic, but today, today, this match, they came. LAFC came in hot. They unbeaten this so far this season. And the game started off, you know, it was a filling out match, but LAFC was always on the front foot pretty much in this first half. They got they got the ball in the box. It ricocheted off a couple of their players. It bounced to Vela, and as the announcer said, "Vintage Vela." Beautiful goal outside the box, man. They up one one zip. But then LA Galaxy came with the answer. I don't know the homie name, but he came in from the midfield. He was playing an attacking midfield role and got a nice little shot in from 20, 25 feet in 1-1. Then we get a, a – what is that? Pretty much I'm going to say this. This was the Velish air, air traffic code because uh, – we get a ball, we get a corner in from Vela, headed by Ryan Hollins. They up 2-1. Man, we getting that. Before we get to the second half, though, LAFC hit them again. What is that? They get that third goal. So now we up, what is it, 3-1. Second half, they going, I thought pretty much uh, Galaxy was dead, but nah, they weren't dead yet. Ricky Pugh, the Barca boy. He finally woke up in the second half, and he started to boss the middle of that pitch. He started to get some balls at Chicharito, the other attacking players. They weren't going in the goal, but pretty much maybe like five minutes after the last Chicharito chance, they bounce one uh, out wide. A cutback, Chicharito tricks it pretty much, like tries to back heel it. He tricks it, but his uh, his uh, teammate is right there behind him. Boom, back corner. We up two. It's 2-3 two, then at that point. And then from there, what is that? We get one more Galaxy chance, but I got to give the man of the match on the low to McCarthy, the goalkeeper for LAFC, because uh, he did something something Allison or Edison would have did, man. This boy got up. He got up, man. He he, he knocked it over the uh, his cross, crossbar, and uh, we end the match 3-2. LAFC still undefeated. Hey, man.
what is that? ATL United. They didn't get that dub this week. We got a draw. And that's how we're going to end this MLS minute this week. Yeah, it's kind of geeked. <laughs> I appreciate that, Marcus. DC United won, it looked like. Uh oh. <laughs> we giving full tables and full results next week because the, the standings are starting to matter a little bit now. Okay, I dig it. I dig it. Now, before we go, we got to talk about our goal of the week, man. Play this who you got. Man, I wanted Game to give it to you know what? I'm going to give it to a homie that, that scored that equalizing goal against Dortmund. Just to show you that Dortmund just be flopping, and I also got to give a special shout out to my boy Timo Verna with the volley at the top of the box this week, man. Excellent finish, Mo Salah. Nice, nice. E money bags, who you rolling with? Man, there was some really good goals in the Bundesliga. I, I, I like from the weekend; it was great. But I'm gonna go with PSG. I'm gonna give them. I'm gonna get all three of their goals against Lens. Because they came within nine minutes, and Mbappe <laughs> scored first with a really nice, with a really nice run in for uh, uh, for his first goal for the first goal of the game. Uh, Vitinha with a, like a twenty five yard screamer, uh, and then Messi from a really nice back heel from uh, from uh, Mbappe. So uh, all within nine minutes, I'm giving it to all three of those as my goals of the week. For sure, for sure, I dig that in. With one of those goals, Mbappe became the all-time leading scorer for PSG in Ligue 1. Uh, that's that's nice. Uh, Anthony, who you got? The Johnstone Screamer against Leicester. When that op- opened up the game. Like outside the box, the volley. With the weak foot. Yeah, was with his left foot. I yep. second that motion. That is also my champagne goal of the week. Mm-hmm. Marcus, who you got? On the wing like Mo Salah. Oh, man. <laughs> it's history, man. Like you said, man, we doing it for the left footers. Left hand up. <laughs> champagne goals of the week. I think moving forward, we're going to have to make the videos come back, man, because I need to see some of these goals again. They they look so smooth in my mind. We're going to talk about that. But who you in the club with, Anthony? I feel like you're going to get jiggy with someone different this weekend. <clears throat> uh, not really. His name may be different to y'all, John Zizu Stones. Oh, man. I'm in the club with him, Mr. England himself. Hey, that that is a sick alias right there, John Zizu Stones. Yeah, man. Wow, number five. Watch him. Look at him. They're doing too much again, Anthony. Doing too much. An Algerian mixed with with the Brit. That's that's a sick combination. <laughs> My coach called called a little kid Philip Lom. And I haven't seen him in two months. So, <laughs> John John can be Zizu. That's what he does. That's what he does, bro. He told he told us at Bayern Munich that Kimmich was the best uh, right back in the world. He was for that time period. Yeah, until, yeah, you know, yeah, until yeah. He okay, moved yeah. Now, now imagine if we had never had that boy play in midfield. Well, you would have got another midfield. 
Pep, nah. Pep lets his right backs play in midfield. Don't you see it? <laughs> he did. No, he did. He did let Lund play in midfield and Lund exactly. played midfield at the World Cup. Yeah, it helped Germany win the World Cup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who are you in the club with, Cletus? Man, I'm in a club with Mama Hakimi and the boy Hakimi <laughs> because he got he 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 showed the American boys the sauce. So now I'm hoping the American boys start using the sauce too. So I know it's Ramadan season, but Mama Hakimi, we need you outside. <laughs> Hey, man, I saw a joke on Twitter that said, what if your dad divorces your mom when you try to make that finesse? Barbecue chicken. Funny guy, man. <laughs> Ephraim, who you in the club with? I'm going to I'm gonna bring in everybody. Because I think, once again, they're showing us the Champions League is just their thing. So um, I'm bringing them in the club, another semifinal. And we'll see what happens after that. I dig that. Marcus, who are you in the club with? Um, I'm gonna have to bring some people from other sports in the club with me. Uh, since Mo Salah can't drink liquor, um, Trey Young, mm. Quinn Snyder. What? Um, but on my soccer tip, we're gonna bring Jata, we're gonna bring Gakpo, and we bring in Captain Trent. Okay, put that respect on his name, Declan Rice. Your spot is being took taken. You under surveillance, partner. Trent midfield trend on the way. Hey man. So you gonna let you gonna let the Hawks drink with you after putting that L out there? No, nah, we gotta figure Ooh. this. We gotta figure yeah, this shit out right now. What's up? What's yeah, up? we gotta we gotta figure this shit the fuck out. They not drinking. I'm drinking because I'm trying not to whoop their ass. <laughs> Where's Quavo? Hey, hey man, he's working on this new album, man. He needs help. Honey, bun. Day, man. Honey, bun. Hey, man. <laughs> uh, man, I'm in the club with it. You know I'm biased. I got to shout out my youngsters. Shout out the Black Starlets. Ghana, we won. I don't know how we got in here, but we won it, so I'm going to pump it up. We won a UEFA under-16 developmental tournament. Even though we're African nation, we beat Switzerland, Serbia, and Spain to win the tournament. So salute to my young Ghanaians, man. There's always something with Ghana that, hey, man, in the youth teams, we be balling, we win. When these little homies grow up, yeah, it don't really work out. So I hope this crop of players, they can get their mind right and have long, fruitful, successful careers. they under 16, so no liquor for you. Sparkling champagne. Hey, man, it's been a fun episode. I hope y'all enjoyed yourselves. Maybe there'll be some bottle popping coming soon because, you know, the next time we have an episode, uh, you know, I think that's going to be maybe after City beats Arsenal or whatever happens. We'll see. But, uh, Marcus, what we got to do in the meantime? Until next time, keep them pinkies up, man. <laughs> <laughs>